Content note, Veronica Mars contains heavy themes, and this episode includes storylines concerning drug and alcohol-assisted rape. A long time ago on Veronica Mars. It's the return of two of our season one unfavorite things, sex crimes and Troy. Oh, God. Veronica's not pleased to see him either, but does agree to help him when he's accused of raping a Hearst College student and shaving her head. This entails Veronica infiltrating a frat house, which seems like the worst place in the world. 100%. Meanwhile, Cliff has been handcuffed to a bed by a sex worker and had his briefcase stolen full of evidence about Logan's murder case. And Sheriff Lamb and Madison Sinclair are hooking up. Two wrongs do make a... wrong. I have a zest for life, so sue me. I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. And snorting a line of ants, I'm Helen Zaltzman. You're listening to Veronica Mars Investigations, Season 2, Episode 16, The Rapes of Graf. There's a time and a place for wordplay, and rape is never it. And it's all because of the reappearance of Troy! No! <laughs> Though he is slightly less hateable in this episode. Slightly! You know, those wonderful cards you have made, Jenny, so that we can distinguish all of these rich white boys from each other, available at vmipod.com slash cards. And when you did the cards for Troy early on in season one... And you made a comment about his hair being the same shape as his head. Every time he's on screen, I can't forget that now. You've changed me. He's like a G.I. Joe figure. He's like a Cupid doll. It's just painted on. There's no topographical differentiation. <laughs> it's just thwip. Skin color, hair color. Head shape. Hair shape. Why should they be different? Oh. Troy has reappeared to be on a three-day tour of Hearst College with Veronica and Wallace. This is uncalled for cruel and unusual three days why is that is that really happened what are they doing for three days what is michael sarah showing these people for three fucking days like here's a building here's a building here's a building come to a party alia shawcat is also in this the cousins from arrested development and apparently rob thomas asked to cast them as soon as he heard that arrested development was getting cancelled oh wow and they were like fine as long as we play characters very different the ones who play in Arrested Development, which she does. Well, I mean, he does in a way. Uh, he seems to have more like autonomy. He's more of a self-starter. His shirt's a planer. <laughs> you have to tell your partner two facts and one lie, and they have to guess which one is the lie, all right? Okay, so um, go ahead. Okay, I'm Veronica. I'm from Neptune. And I once shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Oh, how'd that go? a bit of a letdown. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't believe that you're from Neptune. Wrong. Is that the end? Um, okay, well, uh, my name is Dean. I'm from Wheaton, Illinois. Um, my father owns a Ford dealership, and I also shot a man in Reno, but it was not to watch him die. It was for other issues. Your father doesn't sell Fords. That's right, Toyotas. How did you know? Zach McNeese, who worked on season one of uh, Veronica Mars Investigations, had an anecdote about Michael Sarah because they were playing poker together and Zach said, oh, I'm working on this show about Veronica Mars. And Michael Sarah was like, oh, I was in Veronica Mars. I think I played a rapist. So he couldn't even remember what character he played. <laughs> Unless that was the backstory he supplied himself for his character that is not recounted on screen. Oh my God. Yikes. <laughs> As we'll see, um, that does not come up in this episode. But anyway, Troy's there. He's got this disgusting sweater. <sighs> Veronica's pretty pissed off to see him. He says he's changed. Uh, we get an update of him. Yeah, he says he's a good boy now. Because last we saw him, he was like fucking off with his, was it $8,000 worth of drugs? Off for a new life. Except not, because Veronica flushed them into the <laughs> Neptune water supply. With his $8 worth of candy. Right. Uh, so he like was... Running off with that, his ex-girlfriend, la la la, but he's since been to private school, went to therapy, quit drugs, got rid of that girlfriend, and now he is a, a self-proclaimed mostly good boy. Hmm. It's a lot happened in a year. Do you believe it, Helen? Uh, he seems fine. Like the Troy that changed Veronica's tire. True. Did you recognize Hearst College? I didn't. 
It is played by Torrance High School. Oh my god, what? Which plays the school in the first three seasons of Buffy. I've been there! This show knows two things happen at college. One, people talk about dead European philosophers. And two, party! (laughs) Horrible misogynistic parties! This must be your favourite thing that's ever happened on Veronica Mars, the scoring system that this one frat Mm. is employing. You love it, don't you, Helen? I know this is the the kind of shit that you really love to see. I'm going to start scoring everybody. There's this guy, Drew, who's pretty drunk, ranking Veronica with points. So you're blonde, 30 points. And a natural two, another 20. You're super cute. 50 points. And you're kind of like sassy. So sassy's good? More like a degree of difficulty thing. 30 points. And you're a pro fro, 80 points. So if someone were to have sex with me, they'd walk away with 210 points? That's high. You should be psyched. I am inside. It's an additional 80 because she's a pro-fro. What is a pro-fro? Like a pre-freshman or something. Which is like, yikes. Extra points if you if you fuck somebody who's still in high school. Ah. Yes, well, they're bad people. Right, 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 right. But he propositions Veronica. She's on great form this episode. She's not taking any of this shit. No, 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 no. She throws not one but two beers on this guy. So good. Um... Then he grabs her freaking arm and then, whoa, out of nowhere, here's Troy trying to be chivalrous, but he gets punched in the face. Which of these two do you hate more, Drew or Troy? Drew, 100%. Okay. A thousand percent. I'm just working out your point system. Troy's on a redemption arc. Yes. Uh, Drew is, is irredeemable. Yes. For his mouth punch trouble. Troy gets rewarded with mm-hmm. the offer of a beer from Alia Shawcat, who's playing a character called Stacy. And we've briefly seen her on the way into the party talking to a guy we later find out is called Gordon. And she says, Heidegger's fine if you're a Nazi, because that's college party chat, Jenny. You remember from college. I was always talking about Heidegger uh, at uh, parties at school. Except for sure. when you were talking about Kierkegaard. That was the only time, yeah. Wallace has been having a great time talking to a cute girl about Kierkegaard. Wallace is living his best life again. He like paired up with that girl at the beginning yeah. of this episode who was giving him the eye. Hell yeah, Wallace. Isn't he dating Jane though? Well, He's got romantic intrigues going on, Jane, Jackie. Wallace can't be tethered to like one set of responsibilities. No. He's a leaf on the wind, Helen. He must live. Yes. Oh, he's standing in a corridor talking to Veronica and behind him is a poster which is the blown-up dictionary entry for the word college. <laughs> the decor literally says college. I saw that but like couldn't tell what it was. <laughs> I love you for dis- uh, discovering this. What the shit. Magnificent. Dean, Michael Sarah, checks in on Wallace and Veronica. He's like, Checking in on them all the time. How are you guys doing? How are you? Do- how are you enjoying the? Co- wow. How about this? Well, he's trying to sell the college to them. He probably gets an Amazon gift card if he manages for every student he recruits. Oh yeah. <laughs> he asked Veronica what she and Drew were talking about, and she says Jane Austen. But he dissed Pride and Prejudice, so I had to throw a beer on him. You understand it now, Jenny, don't yes. you? Yes, I get it now. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a bit weird to name Michael Sarah's character Dean. Considering there are also deans of the college in the episode. In the episode. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Veronica is all college out after the uh, toxic wankerdom of this party and Wallace obediently goes with her. Uh, on their way out, they see Troy and Stacy kissing and then leaving. She leads him away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and on the way out, she passes Drew chatting up another girl and just tases him for fun. Fuck yeah! Veronica, yes! Gets beer on him a third time. Tase that guy. Although that is aggressive. Sure. The next morning, is Veronica hungover or just very tired? (laughs) I read this as a hangover, personally. Yeah, that kind of works. Although we don't see her drink, do we? No. She's woken by the sound of the phone. Keith is out on a puzzling errand, according to the massive note that he's (laughs) left her. It's Troy on the phone. He's at the sheriff's department. So we go there. Remember that girl from the party last night, Stacy? Well, I guess she got date raped. Actually, no. When they use roofies to knock them out, then shave their head afterward, we drop the date part. Lamb seems smug as hell about it. 
<laughs> even though he did not care when Veronica was drug raped. Yeah, what the hell? Well, I guess he w- was... V- are we to believe that Veronica was just um, bearing the brunt of the post-Lily Kane murder, uh, anti-Keith, pro-Lamb kind of vibe? I think he's just an antagonist, so he has to be as much of a shit as possible. Whatever the circumstance, <laughs> always finds a way. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a talent, finding the way talent. to do that. He's a very talented antagonist. So this is the problems for Troy. He's the last thing that Stacy remembers. His clothes had been suspiciously washed and he's like, all we did was fool around. PG-13 level. What does that mean, Jenny? We have a different rating system here. Uh, boobs. T- uh, touching touching boobs, probably. Over or underclothes? Probably like underclothes, boob touching, but nothing below the waist. Right, okay. And then she puked on him. That's why he had to go to the all-night laundry to wash the one set of clothes that he had for this three-day tour. Has anyone ever puked on you? in a romantic setting no good hey that's good (laughs) have they puked on you in a romantic setting hell no i don't think so don't think i've been puked on a friend of mine at school puked in a jigsaw box at my house that was unfortunate that and two different friends puked in my mother's uh, wellington boots what Mm. (laughs) on different occasions yes one per boot at the same time different times why why there I don't think you can really accurately find out from someone that is drunk enough to puke into a boot. Okay. Was the second person like aware that the first person had done it at an earlier point? Were they like, was it a copycat puking or no? (laughs) I don't think, again, if you're in a state where you're going to puke in a boot, that you have the presence of mind to think, oh, I'll I'll make it a callback. Okay. 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 Well, you might be surprised what people are capable of. So Troy brought just the clothes he stood up in for a three-day tour. Ew. What is Troy's deal? Is he staying at his father's house? Because he and his father seem to be pretty much at odds. Has he flown in from some kind of military academy on the other side of the country? Right, maybe now that he's a good boy, he's allowed to stay at home for college tour long weekends. But he's not allowed clothes. No, only one set of clothes. Be a good boy, Troy. Veronica goes to investigate at the frat house and just lets herself in and, and there are all these guys sitting outside that sort of look askance at her but none of them try to stop her. Yeah, what's up with frat houses? Why are you asking me? Conveniently, is this normal? I guess I can't ask you, Helen, but there's a big old <laughs> thing with photos of everybody in the frat right there with their names for easy identification. I don't know if this is a standard practice or not. Uh, yeah, and who's in this frat? Uh, awful Drew. And the guy Gordon Peters, to whom Alia Shawcat was saying, Heidegger is a Nazi. But then she's interrupted by someone called Chip, who's like, only brothers are allowed. She asked to see Gordon because he was the other guy coming on to Alia Shawcat at the party, Stacy. But he's away having his stomach pumped after 18 shots of vodka. That's so many shots of vodka, Helen. Okay, you know that thing where you're on a three-day college tour oh, and sure. then you are accused of uh, raping someone and then mm-hmm. you, instead of going on the tour, you just like skulk really close to the tour? Tour-adjacent skulking, yes. This is such a curious choice for Troy. Well, that's Troy all over, isn't it? One set of clothes, one place to skulk. Just doesn't have the range. He does not. But what he does have is a memory that he left his name and number on Stacy's message board. And why would he do that if he raped her? He asks Veronica, who doesn't necessarily take this as proof of anything. No, she trusts him little enough that she's going to go and check, which is a good thing. On Stacy's door, it's a bit rubbed off, but Troy's name and number do appear to be there, along with the letters CCC in a circle and a big red, mm. we got your back, girlfriend. Oh, Thank you, friends. Which seems a bit threatening, given that it's not attributed to anyone. And it's in red. Yeah, true. Re, re, re. Don't turn around. Another thing I wondered about is that this room is like the end of a corridor. And there's a big poster for a student production of Midsummer Night's Dream in the corridor right next to it. But why would you put that there when like one or two people are going to pass it? Got a poster quoted to Phil, Helen. Got to get those posters up. Why are they not thinking about the foot traffic? Stacy emerges wearing a bucket hat. Then there's this um, rape survivor to survivor moment from Veronica. Yeah. It's interesting. Veronica says it sucks a lot and then like it'll suck a little less, Hmm. you know? Stacy might benefit from a little bit of context. Hmm. Just hearing that from a rando who you don't know. Yes. I feel like would be possibly disconcerting. It sucks. And then it sucks less when it's retconned so that it was your boyfriend that you 
didn't feel raped right. by. Yeah. She whips off her hat and um, her head is very neatly buzzed. Very neatly buzzed in a I'm wearing a, a skull cap with a shaved head look to hmm. it. That's a solid point, Helen. Would whoever did this to her have managed such a such a tidy shave? I did wonder how how easy is it to do? Or maybe they did an untidy shave and someone has tidied it up afterwards. Right. With her permission. But yeah, there's this box on the floor by the door full of hair. Not her hair, though. Yeah, I wonder if I saw a box of my own hair or like a box of hair that was like kind of like mine if I would be able to be like, that's not mine. You know? But she's confident. I gave both my parents haircuts at the weekend. That was a weird experience. <gasps> How did it go? Uh, it went all right. I mean, my dad is mostly bald. So little work to do. Yeah, but then there's this little wreath of silver hair and it's so curly that when you pull it out, it's actually really long. Oh, wow. So I just had to prune that back. But my mum asked for it to be long in the back and short on top and I just was not willing to do that. And I was the one with the scissors, so... Your mom wants a mullet? I don't think she realises that it's not a good thing to want. So I gave her a better haircut than that and everyone else likes it. (laughs) You know, I feel bad to have gone against her will, but... Protecting our mothers against mullets is one of the most important things we can do. (laughs) Now more than ever, Helen. A concerned citizen named Jen runs up and tells Stacy that Veronica's helping Troy. Don't trust her. Nah. Undeterred, though, Veronica goes to a wig shop because she deduces that if this box of hair is fetched up, it's from another victim of this rapist. So maybe someone is already on campus wearing a wig and she is ready to give an Emmy-worthy performance to find out. Oh, my gosh. She's weaving a tale, a tale of uh, desperation, sorrow, uh, people torn apart by circumstance. There's all this sentimental music under it. She's run away. She's scared and she's alone. We don't even want to know how she's making her money. She's given up on life. And she thinks she's sparing us the pain, but not knowing where she is or what name she's using or whether she's safe. It's torture. Please, ma'am, she's my sister. I'm sorry. This girl was Hawaiian. Oh. Hey, hasn't this person ever heard of blended families or adoption? Seriously. Come on. So off she goes then to Michael Sarah's room, which has a backlit Hearst College crest on the wall. Good Lord. Why, sir? He probably got that as a bonus gift for recruiting students. Yikes. Um, Helpful Dean... Veronica notices a CL on somebody's message board and I was like, hey, I saw a triple C and now I'm seeing a CL and what does it all mean? And Dean says, oh, that's like Roman numerals, uh, pi sig, they do this thing where they like assign points to girls and that means 150. Uh, And if you don't score high enough, he says, if you don't bang enough ladies and get enough points, uh, they shave your freaking head, the pi sigs. A lot of head shaving going on yeah. in this episode. It's all a conspiracy by big clippers. <laughs> big clippers and big wigs. I don't know why they would choose Roman numerals for this, because I imagine a drunk frat boy wouldn't be able to work out anything that wasn't like rounded up to 50 or 100. Well, is there, is it, uh, does it have to do with perhaps the, the closeness of, of Greek and, and Roman cultures? Could be, or just so that it's not immediately obvious that it's a number keep us going through this episode. I was like, is it Creative Commons, that CC? (laughs) Good news for Veronica, there's a Pacific Islander student gathering at the weekend. How handy. Back at the fucking frat, Pi Sigma Sigma, uh, Wallace is getting shown around by Orville Drew. Do they just show around anyone that wants to? Sure. Perspective pledges for next year. So you get that scholarship, you gotta join. When I got here, I was like, I totally want to be a pie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once when I was little, I wanted to be ice cream. Dude, pie, sig, sig. You're hilarious. You'll totally fit in. Oh, sweet Wallace. <laughs> what a blessed boy. Indeed. As he goes round, he effortlessly unlatches a window so Veronica can sneak in. So slick, Wallace. Yep. He's done so much training. He's been training years for this moment. He's a good deputy at this point. 
<laughs> she effortlessly slips into the basement and finds the board covered in trophies such as underwear and a photo of Veronica. Oh, this is, also she's like sleeping. Who got this photo and when? Yes. Or maybe she's just blinking and I don't know. Yeah, a long, nice long blink. Also, what did he go to the 24 hour, like the one hour photo place to get that to Bella? I have questions. Did they get it beforehand? Do you, in order to go on the Hearst three day college tour, do you have to submit a photo of yourself sleeping? Yeah, there's a lot of questions about the presence of this photo. So presumably he's lying about having had sex with Veronica. Um, So that makes this whole board redundant, basically. If, If people are not playing by the rules, then what kind of contest is this? It's not a fair fight. She looks for a 300 score because that's what the CCC meant on Stacy's door. And there is one next to the name Iceman. Coincidentally, the character played by Troy, aka Aaron Ashmore's twin brother, Sean Ashmore, in the X-Men films. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) But shit, Gordon interrupts. And then he calls the Iceman down and fucking Iceman is Chip from earlier. Ew. Pulls her away from the board and then she accuses him of the rape. And apparently he got these 300 points for um, sleeping with the dean's wife. Sure. Sure, dude. Sure. Gordon is short-haired, which he wasn't in the first scene he was in in the episode. Where did his long hair go? Into a box? Perchance? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then the one who has Veronica's uh, photo pinned in his section of the board is Bird Dog. He turns out to be fucking Drew. Ew. Go home, Drew. I suppose he is home. Oh, right. In his toxic bachelor cavern. Yeah, he comes down and Veronica's like, get your clippers, boys, because this guy and I did not have sex. Da-da-da. Not that he has much hair to shave off. But... No, exactly. What kind of punishment is that? Outside, Veronica finds that Pacific Islander lunch club, sees a girl with bright pink hair and asks her where she can get custom wigs made for a theatrical production. Whoops. It's that girl's own hair. How dare she? Naturally bright pink. But don't worry. Somebody else at the table does have a wig store recommendation. So Veronica waits for her until she's finished lunch. Not at all weird. And then assembles in a churchy looking lecture hall with the dean, Stacy, and Dawn, who's the girl with the wig. And she's like, it couldn't have been Troy that raped Stacy because Dawn was raped a month ago and Troy was across the country then. Yeah. And the hair in the box wasn't even Dawn's hair. It was Gordon's hair. He was angry to have failed the pledge and had to shave his head. Veronica shows the dean the pictures she has taken of the scoreboard in the basement, which she somehow managed to develop in the time it took her to walk from the basement to the Pacific Island at lunch to this meeting. (laughs) It's all happening so fast. The dean just purses her lips. I'm not sure that actor's been paid to speak, so... It's just got to do a lot of face acting. Right, 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 right. And it's the end of the three-day tour. Troy Troy's up. The charges have been dropped. And also, the frat is on probation for a semester. No mixers, parties, or sports. Who's going to enforce all that shit, though? Uh, no idea. And then, uh, everyone's favorite form of vengeance... Stacy and her small dog visit Gordon at the frat house and throw his bag of hair into the fan and the hair goes everywhere. It's like Breaking like, Bad. Yeah, everywhere, all over their shitty, messy frat house. They're just going to mm. leave it there. Again, what torment is it to them if they are not that house proud anyway? Yeah, it's... Mm. So Veronica looks happy and I suppose Stacy has a sort of outlet but the rapist is not caught no there's not many loose ends being tied up this episode no if that's what you came for tough shit Uh, but you don't have to see Troy again ever so there's that loose end tied snipped off encased in concrete and dropped into the ocean so what's your second favourite plot this episode I don't know how I feel about this Jenny Cliff's in a pickle calls Keith to rescue him because he's been abandoned, handcuffed to a headboard in the Neptune Grand, wearing only socks. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and I approved this (laughs) subplot. Hell yeah, Cliff, get some. Nice, 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 nice. Well, it's not clear that Cliff got any. He could have just got handcuffed and then left there without getting any. Surrounded by champagne bottles, so at least he got some drinks. Yeah. It's amazing that he managed to phone. I mean, he's a he's a flexible guy. Must be. He's lucky it was button phones, not touch screens. Yeah. 
Oh, from the first moment we laid eyes upon Cliff and heard uh, the the sort of like caramelly goodness of mm. his sonorous voice. We, we knew it was always just a matter of time until he ended up in this position. And I, for one, am <laughs> stoked. He sounds very short of breath. Takes his beautiful voice a while to recover from the ordeal of being clamped to the headboard. Now, what had happened was... Cliff swung by this annual OBGYN convention because uh, he says <laughs> that they are the most sued specialty group of doctors and he likes right. to spread his card around. But that's not all he was trying to spread around and he met a lady named Daphne at the bar. You met a hell of a lady, Doc? Hell of a lady, yes, doctor. We met at the bar. I was extremely charming and... An hour later, I'm invited up to her room. Champagne is ordered. One thing leads to another. Why don't you think she was an OBGYN? Well, one, she appeared to know less about medicine than I do. And two, she seems to have stolen my briefcase. There's some extremely stripy shirts in this episode and Cliff is wearing one. It's really an eyesore. Cliff is letting me down this episode, Jenny. Oh, because of the shirt or because of his... Uh, his uh, Helen, don't shame Cliff for no. being a sex person. I think Cliff has always been a sex person, but I think sex people nice. should take off their socks. <laughs> That's true. Or at least if they're just like black true. business socks. Get rid. Mm-hmm. Just ruins mm-hmm. the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Mars HQ, Cliff takes some painkillers whilst Keith loads up some Neptune Grand security footage. Keith got really close with the Neptune Grand security guys while Veronica was dating Duncan, who was living in the presidential suite. Very nice, Keith. On sight of Daphne, Keith is surprised Cliff could have thought she was an OBGYN, which is very rude. OBGYNs are allowed to be sexy. Very rude. But also, how did you interpret uh, Cliff's look at Keith? Did you interpret it as how dare you, uh, OBGYNs can be hot also? Or did you interpret it as, no, I didn't think she was a gynecologist, you moron? (laughs) Which way? I think because of the way this show is, where it wouldn't be like, hey, sexy people can do smart people jobs. I don't think that's this show's kind of shtick. Yeah, no. Helen, you know me, I'm Jenny, and I've been waiting for one thing this whole podcast, and it's Cliff motorboating this woman in the elevator. Come on! Keith says, Cliff, you're like a wild animal. And he is. And it rocks. Also, we find out what was in his stolen briefcase. There were case files for a drunken assault, lewd conduct, fraud, divorce, uh, an address book, receipts, some keys, a copy of Elle magazine, although he forgets why, and... Logan's murder case files and a key to the evidence locker. Whoops. And then what's this on the security footage? Lamb with a lady. We see Lamb making out with this girl, but we don't see the girl's face. Then we see uh, Daphne get in the elevator and Lamb and the and the woman separate. Mm. Like, well, I don't want to get caught. And then Lamb and Daphne talk to each other. And then she leaves. And then Lamb's making out some more, and oh my god, it's Madison Sinclair Helen! Convenient of Veronica to drop in just at this particular moment so she can identify Madison Sinclair. She's just dropped in to do a Planet Zowie search, which she could have done on her computer at home. (laughs) It's nice that Madison's older guy thing has been teed up gently in the last few episodes. Uh 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 She really has taste for awful guys. From dick to this. Truly atrocious. Would you rather? And I know that no, neither of these guys is rather. really, really going to work for you anyway. No. No, 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 Helen. Just what's your flavor of evil? A brief history of dudes on the <laughs> show who can get it. Uh, Weevil. <laughs> uh, Wallace. Uh, Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think Logan Cliff? was your type. Leo, Jenny. Yeah, the king, king Prince Leo. Uh, Logan is not my type, but like I can appreciate his like appeal and charm and like his like yeah. weird magnetism. He shows in this episode that he can switch it on when required. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's an exciting discovery for Keith and Cliff. <laughs> they go to the sheriff's apartment and Keith is beaming. Uh, it looks so excited. Oh my god, this fucking shit. So funny. He asks Lamb if he knows Daphne and shows some photos, including one of Madison. I want to emphasize this should not be construed as coercion. We're just showing you a picture. That's Madison Sinclair, who I believe takes world history with my daughter. 
So what, this is blackmail? She's 18, that's legal. Sounds like a swell campaign slogan for the next election. And they've mocked up a flyer with that picture of Lamb and Madison with 18, it's legal at the top and re-elect Don Lamb at the bottom. That was a wonderful joke. Yeah, really well well predicted and well played that that's exactly what Lamb would say when confronted. <laughs> and then they've already mocked up the flyer. It's great watching both Marses with their favorite sidekicks this episode. And we learn from Lamb finally that Daphne, I don't know why he wouldn't just say this to begin with. God, he's such a dick. Yeah, Daphne's an escort one. and mm-hmm. uh, she she works under the name Sugar Jones. Which means that Keith gets Sugar Jones to come to the Mars home, packs Veronica off to do her blog or whatever the kids do. <laughs> and Cliff emerges wearing foundation that is a really different colour to his neck. I found this very distracting. Oh no. He's sort of like orange in the face, pink in the neck. Oh no, Cliff. And uh, we don't get too much information out of Sugar Jones. She just got paid triple the rate to seduce Cliff and swipe his briefcase. That's all we know. Who did it? We still don't know. Another ongoing plot in this episode. Another loose end. Mm -hmm. One plot line does close this episode, and it is Logan and Hannah. At the beginning, he has not yet dumped Hannah because he doesn't know what to say. But then um, he walks out of school and gets high-fived a bunch because his charges have been dropped. Hannah's there, puts her hand up for a high-five, and he leaves her hanging. Ouch. And he leads her off, looking nauseous. Oh, no. The janitor has helped her break into Logan's locker to leave a surprise in there. Yikes. Yeah, I I don't know about all that. Um, hmm. But, man, this is, like, tough, tough to watch, especially the part mm. where she, like, thinks maybe it's a joke or something if this is a joke i can use the laugh right now which seems like a strange reaction but i guess there's so few reactions where you feel like you can retain any dignity when you're being dumped yeah the surprise hannah is left in logan's locker is a get out of jail free cake good lord (laughs) but then logan is interrupted by dick and they celebrate being free men because dick is no longer encumbered by Madison because of her more mature boyfriend, whom we now know is Lamb. Yeah, she met someone more mature. Debatable. Yeah, they trade barbs and both of them are aiming at the immaturity of someone. And in Logan's case, it's Dick. And in Dick's case, it's Logan's girlfriend. Dude, so are we hanging this weekend or that chick still have your sack locked up in her Easy Bake oven? Actually, I'm now a free man. The way we should be, man. We? What happened to Madison? Bailed. According to her friend, she met someone more mature. Where, Legoland? Whatever, man. Maturity is like one of the two most overrated things on the planet. The other being? Chips. She's worked out great for you. This weekend they will party like Ozzy. I suppose they mean Osborne? Yes, that's the only partying Ozzy. 2006 era Ozzy didn't seem all that well. He was recovering from that bad quad bike accident. Generally, this century hasn't seemed in all that great form party wise well i think he already had like wrought such a legacy for himself i remember i remember him like being on mtv a lot around this time or like just before this time so i think he was like definitely in the consciousness enough that like his peak partying was like in public awareness of like young people their version of partying like ozzy is playing some punchy game at the neptune grand surrounded by empty bottles like a little two-person frat yeah, I don't know if this is Mortal Kombat or some game where you have like access to characters from Mortal Kombat and other games, but one of them is playing as Scorpion. And Scorpion wears a little mask that actually uh, looks a lot like the masks we're all wearing now, nowadays. <laughs> uh, he has a little face covering mask and he's always like, get over here when he like <laughs> throws his little harpoon at people and like hooks them and then yanks them in. Um Dick does this thing where he's like, we are partying. Look at exhibit A and he gestures to beer and then look at exhibit B and it's a glass table. And I was looking really hard for Coke Mm. because I thought that's what would naturally be on a party associated table that is made of glass. But I didn't see any. Did you? I wasn't looking. I wasn't thinking as as savvily as Detective Young's. Mm. Dick does make a reference to snorting a line of ants. That's true. That's something Ozzy did. Maybe there were some ants on the table wouldn't show up. Uh, He says, come on, we're free men who reject the rule of women. Rule of women? Women have a shit time on this show with very little power. What the hell? It's true. 
Uh, but they need to tell themselves something so they can justify their shit behavior. Dick cuts into that freaking cake and there's a file in it. Hannah is adorable and I love her. What a thoughtful... Classic prison cake joke. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Logan is like, chug, 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 trying not to cry. Trying to drink the pain away. How are these kids getting all the beers? I don't know. But then Logan's waiting for Hannah after her track meet. And it takes only three lines to get her to forgive him and start nuzzling him. But he doesn't even say sorry. No, what the hell? Barely says anything. Why is Your dad dropped his testimony, so I quit seeing you. I figured. So did you ask me up so we'd do it? Yes. And you want me to forgive you? Then back at the Neptune Grand, Logan and Hannah are getting it on. Uh, tops off. To Tegan and Sarah. Yes. Seems like a strange choice for Logan. For this rampant heterosexual. Uh, and then Mr. Griffith, with the aid of a hotel guy, just fucking pops in and they take Hannah away. Dr. Griffith grabs Hannah's arm. I feel like her arms are always getting grabbed in this show and I feel referred pain. She must be a bruised, a bruised little gal he pushes his face into his pond shirt looking very distressed once again alone yeah and then at school he checks in with her friends not sure if we've seen these friends at the carnival before or something and uh they're like haven't you heard hannah got sent to boarding school in vermont in less than 24 hours she got booked at a boarding school and shipped away our school's just waiting for overnights totally is it just like if you pay enough then vacancy fine also isn't boarding school rather expensive and Tom has some financial problems that are key to this whole situation? Right? Yeah, it doesn't mm. make a ton of sense. Uh, what a weird punishment as well for a parent just to be like, well, you've disobeyed me twice, so I'm going to put you far away from where I can parent you. It's very weird. It's very Bill and Ted. But that's that. It's the end, I guess, of Logan being accused of murder and the end of Logan and Hannah. Whatever next. Ba, 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 then one other little thing that is uh, set up in this episode. During Pissy Mrs. Murphy's class, one of my favourite teachers at this school, <laughs> she says you don't have to do your work on James Joyce anymore. You're all being made to participate in Mayor Woody Goodman's essay competition. And the prize is a week's internship with Woody. <laughs> and you get to stand next to him on live TV... And press the detonator when they demolish Shark Field, which makes uh, Logan seem faintly interested. Boys love blowing stuff up. True. I, I'm just surprised that this is part of the prize. And, and then this is sort of like put away and forgotten about for most of the episode. But then later at home, when Veronica has sort of dealt with the campus rapist, she looks at the piece of paper detailing the essay competition. It's all in like kind of, I don't know, 12 point font. And then at the bottom of it in like... 24 point bold it's like and the prize is detonating some shit <laughs> they know what gets people excited yeah destroying things Wee! while chatting to keith about explosives she puts two and two together that the explosives from the cupboard would be used in the demolition oh my god so off we go to the stadium and you can tell that she's on a mission because she's got a short skirt on and a lot of pink uh-huh, uh-huh. she's asking a man about explosives and he shows her some c4 which just looks like black slabs the same as what she saw in the hangar and then she notices one of the other workers is danny boyd from that episode where she went to the fitzpatrick's bar and nearly got a tattoo to the face yeah that can't just be a coincidence can it helen seems unlikely at this stage you know, we're ramping up to <laughs> rattle towards the grand finale. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So did the Fitzpatrick's frame Terence? Did they crash the bus? Oh, my Ugh, God. Fitzpatrick's. So I guess we'll get to see how this all plays out in episodes that aren't this one. Hooray! How exciting. That's basically everything, isn't it? I think Wallace so. Wallace got the scholarship to Hearst. He's super happy. Yep, That's yep. nice to see. Love to see Wallace happy. It's wonderful to see him and Veronica collaborating. Mm-hmm. Always enjoyable. And how deliciously gross Lamb and Madison are as a prospect. <laughs> Ew. Love it. Probably should be illegal, but it isn't. But let's find out what has been illegal in this episode with our resident legal expert and Southern Californian Marshmallow Low Dodds. 
in today's lowdown. As much as we all wanted to see Drew get tased. <laughs> Veronica does it not in a self-defense way, may- m- maybe more just in a defense of women kind of way. Just um, for fun. Does this qualify as assault or what? What's, what is this? Yes, yeah. She could be charged with assault and battery. She's tasing him without provocation, but it would be the equivalent of punching someone in the face without provocation, which Drew just did. So he doesn't really have the moral high ground here. So I, right. I doubt he would make much of this because, you know, uh, Troy is probably just going to turn around and try to press charges against him as well. How is it that the shit that happens in frat houses is legal? It's not. I mean, so we talked about hazing before. Hazing is illegal. Hazing can be charged as a felony. You cannot participate uh, or make people participate in initiation activities that are going to subject them to like serious injury and a specific hazing law for potential students or students. Obviously, rape is a crime. But what crime is it to cut someone's hair without their consent? It's still going to be battery. So it's still going to be assault and battery. And so you, I mean, obviously you have rape. It's a felony to drug someone in order to commit a felony. So there's a felony there. And then they would also be charged with assault and battery for cutting her hair. And she could also charge, this is like the tattooing against their will all over again. Um, you, You could definitely have civil damages here. Um, So she could sue for uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress and uh, battery under the civil code and all of that as well. On to Cliff. Oh, Cliff. Is it a crime to leave somebody handcuffed to a bed? Especially Cliff? It's so so much worse of a crime because it's Cliff. Um, Yeah, it's false imprisonment. So it's the same sort of crime as trapping someone in a small freezer and leaving them there to die. But because Cliff was not in any real apparent danger, it would be charged as uh, false imprisonment. If he had suffered some sort of further injury from that, that that could be a problem. So obviously the the woman we saw in the previous episode who'd been charged with um, attempted murder because she they were leaving he was leaving her there in a place to die where she definitely would have died the longer she stayed there. Whereas Cliff was handcuffed to a bed. He's he's going to be fine the minute housekeeping shows up. Sugar Jones. She commits false imprisonment. She commits theft. The people who got her to steal the briefcase are committing conspiracy and are going to be charged with receiving stolen property. Hmm. Are there any particular consequences to legal documents being stolen and case files? Would that compromise a trial? No, not really. So... So the defense doesn't have the same duties that the prosecution does to preserve evidence, to hand over exculpatory evidence. The defense has like the opposite duty. If Mm. you have evidence that your client committed the crime, you don't have to turn that over to the prosecution. The prosecution has to prove that. Like the way the evidence locker is compromised, that's going to cause a problem for the prosecution. But Cliff's losing his client's files, which let's be honest, are not going to have anything in them. They're going to be copies of witness statements. They're going to be copies of photos. They're not going to be, I mean, every file I ever had was essentially a paper printout of something that was already on a computer. He's not going to be walking around with actual evidence because that's going to be in the police evidence locker. Cliff is not going to be given control over any sort of hard evidence that the police would need. The police would have to keep it in the evidence locker and he'd be allowed to use it for trial and stuff like that. But um, examine it. He'd be allowed to have his experts examine it if it was like the knife in Logan's murder case. But he's not going to be walking around with evidence in that kind of a manner. And he's probably going to be more in trouble with the bar. You do have uh, obligations to your clients uh, with respect to work product and attorney-client privilege. Um, but as far as you know, compromising the case or whatever, I don't, I don't really see that happening. But would he really be given a key to the evidence locker? No, 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 no. No defense attorney would just have keys to the police Mm. evidence locker. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, The police evidence locker is not something they just let defense attorneys in. Otherwise, not even a very (laughs) handsome, well-dressed, smooth-talking, caramel baritone type (laughs) guy. Not even him? I mean, I mean, I'm sure they would make an exception for Cliff. But uh, for the most part, there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of convictions. I making it sound like all public defenders, if they had a chance, would go and like destroy a bunch of evidence. Which they definitely would not. But yes, the police <laughs> are not going to give you the keys. Is it legal to hire a sex worker to have sex with someone who doesn't know that they've been hired to have sex with them? Or is that like a crime by deception? 
This is kind of becoming a theme. This is like the second time we've seen this, hiring a sex worker that the other person doesn't know is a sex worker. Oh, yes. So prostitution is illegal. Solicitation is illegal in California. Um, Cliff's defense would obviously be that he did not pay her and did not know she was a prostitute. So he, mm. he's getting off, pun intended, uh, from that as well. But there are categories of rape where it's rape by... Um, impersonation or rape Mm -hmm. by fraud but this wouldn't really fall into those categories that's more for like when somebody impersonates your spouse okay if we had a deal if we had a beautiful sweet deal (laughs) where i (laughs) promised to stop dating your teen daughter i'm also a teen in this scenario of course uh in order for you to retract your your uh, false testimony that could potentially get me in jail and then i just start dating your teen daughter again anyway what can you do what is what are your possible uh paths of recourse can you put your testimony back out there can what like what's the deal you can do fuck all hmm you cannot have a contract for uh legal purposes they're unenforceable so you can't try to go to court because somebody reneged on your deal for a contract killing you can't uh go to court because somebody refused to sell you the stolen property you agreed to buy like You can't have those kind of contracts. The good doctor, the bad doctor, he's obviously gotten rid of his testimony somehow. And like I said last time, he probably just went to the prosecution and said, I'm going to be a shit witness. Like, don't put me on the stand. Shitness. To to try to to go back now and like rehabilitate that and be like, no, I'm really telling the truth Mm. now. There's no way. So, they, I mean, in theory, they could still try him. They could still charge him as long as it's not beyond the statute of limitations. And if Griffith came forward again and said, you know, I'm ready to testify. But again, he's he's going to be a, such a bad witness now. Hmm. But he has done them both a favor, being that she is, what, 14, 15? Is she? And Logan's 18? Oh, my God. He's just a stone's throw away from the very popular Neptune, California sex offenders register. Well, I mean, Logan has now beat a murder charge, what, twice now? So, I mean, I'm guessing at this point he probably thinks statutory rape is... He's feeling bulletproof. Yes, he's feeling invincible um, and totally willing to have sex with his... Like, seriously, she's a freshman, right? So she's, what, 14 years old? Is she a freshman? No. I thought she was. I thought she was a freshman. Do we just think she's a freshman because she is so young in the face? I thought somebody mentioned that she was a freshman. I, I just did a cursory uh, checking up on uh, veronicamars.fandom.com and want to let you guys know that Hannah Griffith is a sophomore. So she's still 15. So she's, yeah, two years younger than or two grades below. Mm. Um I mean, if well, if she hasn't had her birthday and Logan has, then they're three years apart. But if they've both <laughs> had their birthday or neither of them has had their birthday, then they're two years apart or whatever. But she seems extra young. What the fuck is it with offering as a prize for students blowing up a stadium? I love this. I would totally have done this if this was sure, an option in high school. Seems <laughs> but fucked it, up. It, it seems it does seem fucked up it also seems like um it would be fairly dangerous the liability for it um the fact that they're offering it to the senior class makes me think maybe like they're all 18 and this will be a fine lesson in what happens when you agree to things when you're 18 years old but yeah it does seem strange they actually blew up a building in our downtown recently and they made everybody like vacate the city and told everyone they had to vacate the area around the city but of course miraculously there were videos all over the internet of the building blowing up like from right up close (laughs) so clearly no one was paying attention to that but Mm -hmm. i would think that you would not you would not be doing that because you would not want any kind of liability if something went wrong did you have a favorite line in this episode i know tradition dictates that you ask me first but i'm asking you first i'm turning the tables (laughs) i can't be tamed you also cannot be blamed thank you uh there were quite a lot of lines i enjoyed this episode actually it was nice to have a plethora to choose from yeah and uh, still can't quite decide. I liked Wallace saying, when I was little, I wanted to be ice cream. <laughs> Such an innocent that he can pull off this joke. But maybe should give it to today's guest star, Michael Sarah, who says, I also shot a man in Reno, but it was not to watch him die. It was for other issues. <laughs> Classic gag. I'm a big fan of Cliff saying, I have a zest for life, so sue me. I'll be tattooing that somewhere on my body. But also... <laughs> I really loved when Lamb said she's 18, that's legal. And Keith said, 
Sounds like a swell campaign slogan for the next election <laughs> while producing a flyer with that exact slogan. <laughs> that was an incredibly slick move. The line was great. Yeah. But then to follow it with the flyer is just endgame. Hell yeah. Magnificent. So what would you score this episode, Jenny? Helen, I had a really good time watching this episode, even though it in- included a lot of content that I like am not generally here for, like yet another instance of sexual assault, frat culture. Like I'm really not into any of these uh-huh. things. So the fact that like this episode was a blast to watch, even with all of that in it, I think is a testament to its quality. Yeah. So I'm willing to give it uh, four and a half bags of somebody else's hair. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It felt like... Kind of a classic, and that really surprised me. Yeah. Oh my God, it had Troy in it, and it was still good. I think it was because both Marses were on great form. Oh, yeah. They had their pals with them. And the fact that the plots that touched on the longer running arcs didn't get resolved felt realistic enough. Yeah. Plus, Sex Cliff. So I think I'm going to give it four out of five blown up dictionary entries for the word college. <laughs> well, I guess that's this episode of Veronica Mars Investigated. Case closed. That was Veronica Mars Investigation Season 2, Episode 16, The Rapes of Graph. Watch Season 2, Episode 17, and join us next time to investigate it. Find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at VMIPod. The website where this show lives, along with a chart of all of its conquests, is VMIPod.com. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. I make music when I'm not making this podcast with Helen. You can hear it on The Places and at JennyOwenYoungs.com. And I just released a song uh, last week uh, exclusively on Bandcamp. Ooh. And you can also listen to me talk about another petite blonde protagonist over on my other podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. What's the song called? Oh, the new song is called Follow You. And hey, Helen, it's the first song, the first like Jenny song that I've ever produced and uh, arranged and mixed and wrote all by myself. Wow. I'm feeling very uh, powerful. So stay out of my way. Who needs other humans? Yeah. Not Jenny Owen Youngs. That's right. I am Helen Zaltzman and I make the other podcasts Answer Me This and The Illusionist which are available in the places that you listen to podcasts. This episode was edited and mixed by Helen Zaltzman. The Helen, my heart and soul Zaltzman. (laughs) Thanks to Ian Stedman for the transcript. The music is by Martin Orstwick and Jenny Owen Youngs of Jenny Owen Youngs fame. The sheriff of this town is the one, the only, Rishi K. Shearway. Only dates age appropriately. Until next time, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Did he send you to boarding school? (laughs) He's just got a hotline. He's been ready for ages. 